The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, objective, and often comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, please throw your listening device in the trash. If not, enjoy the show. And we are back for another episode of the Salumas Podcast. This is Kalu. And this is Chris. And happy, happy Memorial Day to all you guys out there celebrating, having your barbecues and all that good stuff. Uh, this episode is going to be a somewhat quick one. Uh, it's been a pretty busy weekend for all of us. And to be quite honest, we're, we're pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but it's, it's something that we want to do, still stay consistent and still... Uh, get content out to you guys but this is something that we've actually been talking about for a little bit now and uh i just wanted to see if we can put it through the grinder and come up with some good stuff and so this topic that i'm wanting to bring up today is just on trust um where does it come from why do we trust people and if there are different types of trust and so that's kind of what i want to uh <laughs> that's what it sounded weird that's what I wanna, <laughs> yeah that's what I want to talk about today. So uh, I'm just going to toss it over to you and just ask, like, what do you think trust means? Well, obviously, that's a fucking seemingly simple question with a complex-ass answer. But, sure. Um, trust, I think, is super subjective. At the base of every, like, interpersonal interaction is subjectivity. So when violations of trust occur, oftentimes they're not... They don't have to necessarily be some profound event. Mm -hmm. It can be essentially, well, I didn't know that that was part of the perimeters that we were dealing with and yeah. the other person feel strongly about it and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think a lot of disagreements are at the base of that where trust isn't violated deliberately. Yeah. Now, there are instances where trust is violated deliberately, profoundly in a... And in a like serial type manner too. And we were talking before you even hit record, but like, um, how do you deal with that? Yeah. How do you deal with someone who is a quote unquote repeat offender when it comes to the same type of shit? Um, because to be quite honest with you, if you look at things in a deterministic way and with a scientific framework, um, these patterns of what amounts to mistreatment, maladaptive behavior have some kind of like psychological root that's mm. somewhat out of the individual's control. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. On top of that, in order to get out of that pattern of behavior, we you have to foster that extreme accountability mm -hmm. that you'll you'll big into. Why well, and I am as sure. as well. But basically, what I'm getting at is that trust means something different to all of us. And it means something different to each of us within a, a given context and depending on who we're interacting with within that given context. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes trust is a necessity. Mm. Like it's it, it for survival. Like yeah. I, I have to trust this person or neither one of us is going to survive. And what were you calling that? Like the, the idea of mutually assured destruction. Oh, yeah, like yeah, even yeah. people that ne not necessarily have any social ties mm -hmm. can come to the understanding that they have to trust one another yeah. 
because they are both facing the same type of adversity. Yeah, and I, and I especially was talking about mutually mutually assured destruction when it's two people that, and I'm doing my air quotes, have some dirt on one another. Yeah. And they're almost forced, you know, they, they understand the other person's weakness. And isn't that hilarious? That and trust, strength, honestly. Like, you know, you said know each other's dirt. Like, it's hilarious that there's trust that comes out of what is seemingly deceit. Yes. Like, yeah. con- the concealing of information fosters a type of trust in and of itself. Mm-hmm. This fraternal element like yeah. you said, the mutually assured destruction. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah. Like, okay, say say your homeboy does some shit that's foul. Not illegal mm-hmm. foul. Not like super transgressive foul. But like between two adults, probably not the most copacetic thing to do. Yeah. Be they male or female, they've done something transgressive towards um, a life partner or mm-hmm. something. There, you may think the world of that other person. You may think the world, and there there may be trust between the two of you. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. But it's a different type of trust that you have for your homegirl or homeboy that you know is ready to die for you. Yeah. That's done this transgressive thing. Yes. Because so you, you don't want to burden someone with, with some, like, you don't want to burden someone with trusting them if you know that what you're about to trust them with is far outside of their capabilities whether it's mental moral whatever you know what i'm saying absolutely so you've got your little squad of people that you know yes even if you're completely off base in a few ways and again i'm not talking about we're not we're not going down this slippery slope of like some real nefarious fucked up shit but petty fucked up shit Mm -hmm. things regarding people that are not necessarily part of that tribal yes inner circle yeah and I need those people. Like you have there's, to. there are That's people. Your backbone, yes, man. there are people that that I trust with certain things, right? But then there's, or that I trust with the more, if you want to call it mundane, or the surface level uh, pieces about me. Right. But there are those people that I know that. I mean, I call them like my hide a body friends. Yeah. Like if I did something really, really messed up, I know that I can talk to those people. And they wouldn't say a word to anyone, right? And and to the point where my close friends don't even know about those people. Do you see what I mean? Right. It's just like, and you see each other in public or something like that, and it's just one of those like, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You just kind of know. You just know. And it's, it, it's on this, like you said, you just know. There's a lot of denying that goes on with our identity as human beings mm-hmm. that we're separate from the rest of the animal kingdom. Yeah. But there's this very, it just just in the same way that you can have an inexplicable sexual attraction towards someone, mm-hmm. you can have an inexplicable trust and fundamental tribalism with yes. certain people too. Absolutely. And that that is a layer of trust that I think is often ignored. There's this inexplicable, like, I, I swear, you don't have to check in on me. You don't mm-hmm. have to... Uh, you don't have to worry about me too much. Don't come to me with nothing petty. Don't yeah, do this. Nope. Don't count on me for this. Don't count on me for that. But when you really motherfucking need me mm-hmm. or need you, that's when you rise to the that's occasion. You, yeah. And you're not the the thing is with trust, you're not that person to just fucking anybody. Yeah. It's only that one little tribalistic group of mm-hmm. individuals that you're like, okay contingency plan if the shit goes down i trust these people with the most basic of things yeah and and i trust those people with 
to to not even fall in line, but to accept the deepest, darkest parts of my personality. Oh yeah, and that is that is something scary and relieving at the same time. That moment where I sort of and I'll and I'll say it. Oh no, I won't say it. <laughs> that that moment where you realize just the where you realize the the extent of your if you want to call it evil, if you want to call it just brutality, where I know that there are maybe three or four. I I'm not even saying I know that there's just there's about four people that I would go to and say, Hey, is that, here's is what's that, up. Is that Freud's id? Would that reside in Freud's id? The, the um, animalistic, like dark well, like there, yeah, and I made a post about it, and I can't remember which uh, psychologist that I that I uh, was sp- speaking of, where it was talking about your your dark side, like you're really really dark, and I, I'll, I'll try and find that post. But maybe when, a, a Jungian. That sounds yes, like, it was it was Carl Jung. Yes, it sounds like a Jungian mm-hmm. concept. That's exactly who it was. Um, and for me, with just with trust in general, like I attach the the ideas of acknowledgement and submission when when there's trust there um and it's more of acknowledgement and submission to the unknown like you're i'm giving someone something of mine right dude what? that's your greater power yeah that's your <laughs> higher power that's your fucking higher power yeah. man yeah i mean i'm and i'm giving something to them and i'm putting faith if you want to call it in the unknown i don't know what they're going to do with it they can absolutely destroy me with it if they want to, and and it's it's really it's it's almost it's scary. But you feel tapped in. Yes, you are tapped in. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to say it. when you when you explicitly trust someone, you are you are tapped into them. And you show again, you show them the darker sides. You show them the unabated sides. Mm-hmm. But don't get me wrong. That anybody listening, uh, we don't want you to think that we're talking about just let it all fucking hang out. No, you still have no. a responsibility yeah. for your own fucking behavior. Yeah. And know? there's there's you can count on people, and I think you can trust people, and I think that there's a difference for them. Oh, absolutely. Count at listen, and they're not mutually exclusive, mm. but uh, because you can, there are plenty of people that you can trust and count on, yeah. But uh, counting on someone alone that's almost more like a peon, submissive, mm-hmm. like utilitarian type, an of exchange trust. of goods or something, yeah. Like it's, that. A utilitarian, it's a transaction. What was yeah. it, Father John Misty? There's a Father John Misty lyric that says, Maybe love is just a social concept based on resource scarcity. Hmm. He's saying it. You really make a lot of people sad when <laughs> they hear that. Hey, but it, he but he's saying it real pretty, but it, it's uh, you know, it's all this this fundamental talk of like what what these social constructs that we come up with fucking mean. Mm-hmm. The song isn't about that. It's about love, obviously. Yeah. But if you think about it in those terms and instead of love, you think about trust. Mhm. Trust is very much based upon resource scarcity. Yes, yes. And even even amongst those of us that have, you know, running water, lights on, pretty much everything we need, there's still at that next tier that tribalism applies and you hang together for a larger purpose. Yes. Yes. I want to read something here. It's just, you know, what Wikipedia says on trust. And I'm sure as I go through, maybe some idiot has thrown in something. You know, as I start reading, I'll just be like, and the definition is cock goblin or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? But I want to read this because it seems interesting. It says, in a social context, 
trust has several connotations. Uh, definitions of trust typically refer to a situation characterized by the following aspects. One party, which is the truster, is willing to rely on the actions of another party, which is the trustee. The situation is directed to the future. And that's something there, too, with trust. Like I was saying, it's it's a submission to the unknown. You don't faith. know what it's they're going to do. It's fucking faith. faith, absolutely. Um, in addition, the truster, voluntary or forcedly, abandons control over the actions performed by the trustee. That's something interesting there where you are sometimes forced, like you had said, you're forced to trust people. When there are no other options, you think of yourself just like stranded on the road. You're forced to trust someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, as a consequence, the truster is uncertain about the outcome of the other's actions. They can only develop and evaluate expectations. The uncertainty involves the risk of failure or harm to the truster if the trustee will not behave as desired. You know what that reminds me of? And What's that? I brought it up in previous episodes, mm-hmm. but that um, that viral video of the rabbi talking about fish love. Mm. Yeah. Where that was one of our very early episodes. It was, yeah, it was our early episode, and I may have brought it up since then because it's one of my favorite things. But he was saying like a uh, a man was walking and encountered a boy fishing, and he said, "Young man, why are you fishing?" And he was like, "Well, I love fish." And he was like, "You love fish?" He was like, "So that's why you baited a hook, hooked its mouth, reeled it in, yanked it out of the water, cut it up, boiled it, and ate it." You don't love the fish, you love yourself. Mm. And then he went on to say that love, and again, I'm, I'm seeing all these these parallels between love and trust mm-hmm. as they're socially constructed, yeah. but whenever you love someone, it's when you give them a piece of you. You put a piece of you into that individual. And I know that's a seemingly abstract concept, but I don't think it's too unreasonable for anybody to deduce what I mean by yeah. That and I feel like a lot of times that peace is trust. That mm-hmm. that is that a bundle of any number of things that you're putting into that other person. So you put that into somebody else, and that's true love. It's not the expectation necessarily. And that's the difference between the trust element mm-hmm. is the expectation. Yes. Yes. But like you were saying, you're the person, the truster is left to it's to, a submission to the unknown. You don't it, know what's going to happen. It is submission to the absolute fucking unknown. But you're you're putting that trust in that individual, and as long as they don't violate, and actually, even times when they do violate, even times it, when they do violate, they it. they've still got it though. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's where At love that, resides is is putting that trust in them, and and whether they beat that trust all to shit, it's still in them, and that's one of the harder parts I think about severing yeah. these toxic relationships. Too. And I, you know, and I wanted to I wanted to save it to a later time in this episode, but it's it's only fitting to talk about it now. What do you ever wonder when someone gets burned in a relationship, and you know someone does something that would make cause you to lose their trust, and they stay together? At what point, like, do you ever wonder, like, what do you even trust anymore at that point? Well, I think it it really turns into trusting yourself. Like, you don't Mm. trust your fucking self anymore. And like I was saying, that part of you that you have put into that individual, that they've banged up and destroyed and fucked up. And in many cases, it's the part of you that you may be most proud of and or the part of you you're most insecure about. And they mm. and they bang that shit to fuck around, but they still hold possession of it. And then you, once once social ties are severed, there is that phantom pain. 
yeah. that we talked about in a recent episode. Yeah. The the phantom pain lingers because you when you have placed that trust in in, in another individual another individual that forms a connection and then you're severing that connection and that's where that pain comes from. It's like the the need to feel that reciprocity mm-hmm. that you've placed in some other individual that they've been reciprocating and they hold in their hands. They have the ability, you know, in a perfect relationship, somebody makes you feel great. They've got your back. You trust them. Yeah. But they, it, it's not always perfect. Yeah. Obviously, there's things you have to work on. But um, contrast is nice. Yeah. You know, a, a little argument every once in a while is fucking dope. Yeah, yeah. And then you'd be like, you know what? Like, Fuck the small shit. It's when you don't talk about it that things get fucked up. But I'm getting off track. Basically, I wanted. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Basically, what I'm saying is, is that the basis for both love and trust reside in the trustee. Yeah. One of the things that you had said, um, you were you were talking about phantom pain uh, with respect to when when trust gets broken or something like that. Uh, One of the things that uh, I was reading here is. Some some of that pain, if you want to call it, or or the ability to trust, like it's it's talking about like where does that start? And so I'm gonna read this and it'll, it'll essentially make the connection here. It says in psychology, trust is believing that the person who is trusted will do what is expected. It starts out at the family and grows to others. Um, according to the psych, uh, psychoanalyst Eric Erickson, the Dope. development yes, the it development of basic trust. Uh, is the first state of psychosocial development occurring or failing during the first two years of life. Success results in feelings of security, trust, and optimism, while failure leads towards an orientation of insecurity and mistrust, possibly resulting in attachment disorders. Yep. So very early on in our lives, we're taught to trust. And, and by and the way, Eric Erickson was big on discussions of it. Attachment disorder. So, ah, it, so if, if that's something that interests you, delve a little deeper into the work of Eric Erickson. And he was a very, I guess you could say, um, optimistic or yeah. benevolent force in psychology as well. Yeah. Don't mean to cut in. No, no, I just no, no, thought no, it would fine. be a dope thing if somebody wanted to look yeah. it up. And so the other part it says here, it says a person's dispositional tendency to trust others can be considered a personality trait and as such, is one of the strongest predictors of subjective well-being. Uh, it has been argued that trust increases subjective well-being because it enhances the quality of one's interpersonal relationships, and happy people are skilled at fostering good relationships. So the thing that I want to say is that, like, how how well you are at trusting people, and this is just common knowledge, is really a lot of it comes from how you were brought up. And and how and just focusing on the beginning of of everything, whether it's your upbringing or whether it's your first relationship or whether it's your first friendship, how that trust went right there, or how that the outcome of that or whatever you want to call it can absolutely affect things way, way later. That's on. That's the yeah. beginning of of accumulating baggage. So how do you how do you rebuild trust after getting burned? Well, that's that's the thing is that. The onus is not on the truster. And the thing that the truster has to work on doing is it's having hard to accept, man. But but dude, it, this is the God honest fucking truth. What what the truster has to do when, when their trust has been violated by the trustee is they have to regain their center as far as that stuff's concerned. They have to reclaim whatever manipulandum. And I'm not saying throw walls up and become bitter and do yeah. all that. But if you want to alleviate as much pain as possible, 
you have to learn to trust yourself Mm -hmm. because oftentimes whenever trust is violated in those situations, that is accompanied almost invariably by think by a ton of self doubt, Mm -hmm. like so your own personal worth, all of that, because you have given, this is me. You have the ability to destroy me. Oh, you just destroyed me. I'm my, maybe I'm just not worth the shit. Mm. But before, that happens to so many people. It too. does, but if you but once you're out of the weeds on it, once you get out of the fucking weeds on it, sometimes mm-hmm. you look back. Actually, a lot of times you look back and you're like, "Damn, glad that happened." Why was I like that? Yeah, why, like yeah. I don't even know why I was tripping. I was acting like that was the most dramatic shit in the world. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's neurotransmitters. It's chemicals. It's yes. it's electricity, man. Yeah. But, and you do get a, a big dose of it's what is it? Probably oxytocin or something. Oxytocin like that. and whenever, dopamine. Whenever whenever you right? trust someone and they do exactly as you thought that they would do. Oh yeah. You know, uh, yeah. and and it's it's a shame that I feel like a lot of people are in that chase for that release, so they'll do things to test the trust of someone else. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, and you see it in like in like shitty relationships or something like that. When someone has an issue with trust or anything like that, they want that release, so they'll do something to to put someone to the test. And when they do exactly what they hope that they would do, then it's like, okay, I feel better. And and in that, and looking at it like that, it makes me think that that's a little bit destructive. Absolutely, <laughs> that's yeah, a little bit destructive. Absolutely. Well. And and something else that we mentioned recently, and I, I really need to do the, a little fact checking on it, but mm-hmm. um, I think it was the Buddha where it was talking about attachment being the root of all suffering. Mm-hmm. I think it was Buddha. Yeah. So if you start to understand, if you start to understand things in terms of attachment and the chemical and social bonds that you fostered with these individuals, and break away from this narrative thing that is going to it you got to fight it every day it's an everyday battle to not create a narrative for your fucking life yeah. that walks 5 feet in front of you mm-hmm. it that is a huge battle for everybody because you you can show up to work every day you mm-hmm. can you can do everything you're seemingly supposed to do but you're really not actively participating in your own fucking life you're, you're not um, I watched recently, uh, shout out to PBS, uh, watching uh, how how brain function works and how um, unconscious things, like you train the brain to do a series of tasks, and once you get really good at them, it takes the slightest modicum of brain activity to elicit that series of tasks, mm-hmm. like the cup stacking. Yeah. You know, you've seen that shit yeah. like on TV where they... Make a little pyramid and they'll they'll take them yeah. all down and shit like that. Well, there was a child on there doing that, and he had been doing it for a couple of years, I believe. And when he first started doing, they do different series mm. of stacks and unstacks, like patterns and stuff. She asked him how long it took him when he first started, and I want to say he said it took like maybe four to seven minutes or something like that. Yeah, and he got it down to seventeen seconds. Good God! So. Um, and I know this sounds like a, a long path to get to what I'm talking about, but what it was saying was, and then you bring somebody that's never done cup stacking in and set them next to them. They hook their brains up to a monitor. Mm-hmm. That little boy's brain was not doing 
it wasn't working hard at all. But Homeboy, who was struggling and not getting anywhere, his brain activity was off the chart. And I almost called you to tell you to watch it. Oh, you should have. But it was it was gonna by the time you were able to to run and tune in, Mm -hmm. it would have been you could probably Find yeah, I'm it sure somewhere, it's on but or something. it started talking about flow state. Ah, oh, that's it, my, that's and my that's crack. what and that's what it is. Yeah, that was the actual representation of flow state. Is that you have conditioned and trained your body to respond in such a way that it just goes and does. Um, they had a rock climber, a free climber, on there, and he was like, "Yeah, you just don't think." He mm-hmm. said, "I get to the top of the rock, and I'm like, holy shit, how did I get up here?'" Yeah. Um, the point being, and this was. Basically, the entire premise of the episode is that we think that we're conscious. Yeah. But what we perceive as consciousness is really just a kind of a stowaway, they said. Hmm. It is an intersection between patterns of behavior. That's interesting. Yeah. And and then also our senses. Yeah. So ha- make that connection with something like that to... Are you, is the connection that you're making is that... He at that point when you hit that flow like this guy has, he is he has reached a level of like extreme trust with himself that his brain really doesn't have to function that much. It just yeah, you're not happens. eliciting, you're not gonna elicit like a, a adrenal jump, a, yeah. a dump, or like um, cortisol release or anything like that. You're just you're yeah. responding and going. But even further than that, um the the cognition element of it the consciousness element of it is we walk around thinking that we have this great personal utility and we're conscious mm-hmm. and i think it's humbling to acknowledge from a scientific standpoint that our what we perceive as consciousness is in many cases an afterthought and that to me that makes it even more essential that we try to fight that that precon notion of how our lives have to go from a narrative standpoint sure that's really interesting as you were talking about all that i was sitting there like i tried to take trust to like the minimal level like that's most basic level and i just think about like my just me living every day like i trust my arms to work i trust my heart to beat i trust my eyes to work and stuff like that. And I'm living in this constant state. If you want to call it a flow and I'll just sit there and I'll do something like, how the hell did I do that? You know, the same exact show. They had a gentleman from England Mm -hmm. that was in a car accident and it damaged the part of his brain that was responsible for unconscious coordination, like limb coordination. Mm -hmm. And he had retrained himself how to manipulate things and walk, but he had to deliberately think yeah. about every single muscle handing yes. off pressure to the next muscle and mm-hmm. group of muscles. And it's funny what you say that because one of my issues we we joke about it like I have bad knees, right? And with this, you know, it was just a couple weeks ago, I was diagnosed with a complex lateral meniscus tear. And one of the things that I'm having to learn to do again is to trust my left knee. And it's something that is like it would have been taken li- for granted. It was years very much, ago. yeah, exactly. Would have been taken for granted. But like now, since since he told me that, I've had such little trust in my knee that although I'll ride a bike, I haven't run since he's told me. I haven't even jogged to test it. I'm just so scared to get hurt again. Yeah, and it's to and to apply something like that to just the rest of our lives. I think that. 
when we get into relationships or something like that, when there is that so much trust where it just becomes like it's just second nature. You just have this kind of taken for granted. It's taken we, for granted. Yeah, and we need to know, we need to know the, Yeah, we need to know the difference between really trusting someone and taking them for granted. And I think a lot of people do a lot of taking other people for granted, especially when they're in relationships. Because then when something happens, you you do the like when something happens to break that trust or whatever. How dare you? How dare you? Now you have to and realize: Do I have is, is my problem learning to trust again? Because that puts the onus on that person, or is the problem the fact that I took them for granted? The and a and a big concept that we've mill you know milled about for quite some time is expectation versus mm, acceptance. acceptance. Yes, And I think that that correlates a great deal, again, with that quote from the Buddha about attachment being the root of all suffering. Mm -hmm. If you have the greater expectations you have, Mm -hmm. the greater liability you have. Yes. The greater acceptance you have, the more likely you are able to travel. Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not talking about acceptance when you're in a, you are genuinely in a, bad situation. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we 100% encourage people to better their situations. Yeah. But when it comes to the relatively mundane and what we invest in people and people that we love, putting lofty expectations on folks and then having them fail and then you internalizing that Obviously, depending upon the social dynamic you have with that individual, it's going to impact them. Yeah. But really, it's going to impact Joe ass. And it and should impact you more. Yeah, and it's and it's confirmation bias a lot mm-hmm. of times. If you're that kind of person, and I'm sorry, we're going to call you out. If you're the kind of person that expects more than they accept, mm-hmm. um, invariably, that shit's going to transpire. Yep. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a have a hard time. You're gonna have a really hard time. Well, and and that's that's the thing. And you you act like it's other people. Mm-hmm. You act like it's other motherfuckers that are responsible for your happiness. Yeah. It's not it's other not. people. Yeah. You're responsible for making you happy, and yes. you meet somebody else that is also responsible for making themselves happy, and you motherfuckers meet in the middle on some dope shit. That's exactly how it's supposed to work, and it's unfortunate that it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It's yeah. usually based upon fear. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so there is there's three types of trust that I've just been reading about as we've been going through, and I want to see what you think of them. The first one, and I think we've talked about this one, is what they call deterrence-based trust. And it says, uh, most new relationships start out at this level of trust. One violation of expectations or inconsistency in behavior can destroy the relationship. It's not much disclosure at this level because parties are trying to avoid to do, avoid doing anything to sever the relationship before it can develop. I think there's a lot of people stuck in that in that phase. They're just trying not to hurt each other or something like that. You oh, know what yeah. I'm saying? Or they they haven't even looked at each other as human beings. Yeah. They're, they're still like honestly. They see God, each other as like objects, like a brand new car. You goddamn right. And you it's just gotta wash it every day. And each and of all us each of us has a threshold for perception of individuals as humans versus objects upon interaction. And it it varies. It's a it's a plastic concept. Mm-hmm. But let's be real. People yeah. become more humanized to you the more time you spend. The more time with them. you spend with them, absolutely. unless you fucking hate them. Yeah, yeah. 
The the next level is a knowledge-based trust. Most organizational relationships are at this level. Trust is not necessarily broken by inconsistent behavior at this level. This level relies on information rather than deterrence. And I'm I would like to it it seems borderline callous to to put to stick people at that level where and and I sometimes feel like I'm at this level where I do gather as much information on someone before trusting them or something like that, you know, because at that point it allows me to establish different levels of trust because I don't think that, I think that anyone can be trusted with any sort of thing, but it just, it depends on the information and the research that you do on that person. What's well, a type of capital? Yeah, it, 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 like, that's why I said it's kind of like, like callous because very, like, I hate very, to view people like capital, but, but I but do. But your mind, I mean, you are wired to look at things in, in a methodical, like social economy kind of way. Yeah. And that's totally fucking, fucking copacetic, man. Yeah. As long as you're reciprocating mm-hmm. in an appropriate manner, I don't give a fuck how you get there. Yeah. You know, bats can fly, birds can fly. Yeah. They got yeah, their, they th- got their totally different Totally different evolutionary yeah. means. Yeah. It, it, is, it's just, it just sucks sometimes being like, okay, what can you give me? And what can I give you? Yeah, and uh, that's that's a shame sometimes to 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 view it like that. But I I, I can't be sad with how I'm wired. Well, it's part, just how I am. Well, there there's a lot of things at play here too. Part of it is knowing your own personal worth. Yes, yes. And regardless of if somebody like you you know your worth, and then someone violates your trust, regardless of how much you still know your own fucking worth. It does nothing as far as alleviating the backlash from it, the pain, Mm -hmm. whether that gets directed inward, like I'm fucking stupid for trusting this person. Or if it's projected outward, like all people suck. I shouldn't have trusted anybody to begin with. And those are the two big things that I think we need to get away from Mm -hmm. is making generalizations about stuff. And that's, a huge part of our concept of traveling lightly mm-hmm. is the next person you encounter should not in any way have to make up for the shit that the previous person did. To oh you. God. Yes. Yes. They, they have no responsibility to that. Mm-hmm. It's your goddamn responsibility to, to jettison your baggage. Yep. Yep. 100%. And, and if you're like, I've been hurt. Why do you treat me this way? You need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. You got to figure that out. That's and not I'm for me not to talking answer. about. I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm talking about my own goddamn mm-hmm. self. You know, I've been petty in my yeah. day. Yeah, but it, it's honestly when you get on the other side of that shit, it's liberating as fuck too because mm-hmm. you carry that shit around. It's just yucky. Yeah, you know, one thing I wanted to ask about is like in the in the age of like booty calls, right? And bear with in me. In the here. age of booty calls. In the age of booty calls since 1980. I don't know who it's when booty that... text now. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I wanted to say is that there are. What do you think about people who trust a person to satisfy them sexually, but they don't trust them for anything else, and they're just okay with that? I see that I would. Like and, and in very like double entendre kind of way, different strokes for different folks. <laughs> Pipe game is ten of ten. But yeah, like, they're fucking unreliable. Absolutely, absolutely. But the uh, the thing is, is that pipe game can be ten of ten. These motherfuckers out here, you can trust with pipe game ten of ten. Yeah, but uh, is is that okay? Is it okay to to have them for that? 
Yeah, is it okay to have that yeah. kind of trust? Well, I yeah, think that yeah, it is. I think it's totally okay. But like I said, it's it's different strokes for different folks. Like, and and it depends on the time period you're at in your life, and yeah. just where you're at in your life geographically, and fucking everything. I don't personally. I have zero desire. It gives me the heebie-jeebies of ha- the idea of having somebody that was just a sexual entity mm-hmm. and then I'm like get out of my motherfucking house like yeah. that at this point in my life I'm like I'd just rather chill at the house and have Cheeto crumbs in my beard yeah. like that don't sound appealing to me I like the whole thing and the thing is when you have the the whole thing it makes invariably it makes the sexual element of it fucking better I'm yeah. sorry yeah I, I remember like I tried my hand at trying to be like that. And I realized and I realized very quickly that it's kind of jacked up to like count on someone for like for just that and then just be like, okay, it's done. You know what I'm saying? It it is it's really the, fucked and up. And it's not it's not really satisfying. You're really just kind of doing it. And I'll be real with you. The reason why I did it is so I could seem like I was desirable and I was Mr. Mac Daddy. Not because it was super satisfying in any other way. It was yeah. just like I'm wanted. I'm. I'm man. I'm. I'm strong. Yeah. Like it, it. It was cheese dickery like that mm-hmm. that caused me to do it. Not I. Not out of inherent desire. Not out of yeah. uh, appreciation for another human being. It was yeah. that petty. Like actually, that's kind of where I was too. It is. That, yeah. I think that. That's I think a lot of guys. You thing. hit like a low. You not. I don't want to say you hit a low moment. But, or maybe you do hit a low moment. Or I don't know. The, a lot of guys exist in the low yeah. moment. Yeah. A lot of guys are the low moment. Mm. They're Ladies. The lo- they're the low a, moment for other people. Hey, and they stay at their own low moment. But, yeah. but, well, and it works both ways. There's plenty of women that, it, it, the role, oh, yeah. the role, oh, yeah. but overwhelmingly, we can just speak on what guys are like. Yeah. And those motherfuckers, man. And you know what? I don't even know. I can only speak on. We can only speak on on our own personal psychologies to the best of our objective ability. But I don't even know if certain people are capable of feeling. You know, your the degree of to which you were able to feel empathy is mm-hmm. going to have an enormous bearing upon how trustworthy you yeah. fucking are. And and that level of empathy is what made me get out of that that phase right and there because i was just like too, yeah it, it? it made me feel disgusting because i was like oh <laughs> i was sitting there going like what if you all you have to do is just like one little thing for someone to like catch an emotion or catch feelings or something like that and you're being careless you're being super careless because when you you may go in there thinking this is not going to be anything but i think that there is i don't i don't buy the idea that like something like sex is like it's not a bond. Like it can just be treated like nothing. I, it, it can't for me. I will yeah, say it, it I can't think, for me. I think that there are people out there yeah. that probably are. And I mm-hmm. think that they understand. And I think it is oftentimes linked to empathy. I yeah. think it really is. But mm-hmm. I think that those people understand the social milieu of everything mm-hmm. enough that it seems like they understand it conceptually, yeah. but they can't really feel it. Yeah. So they are a sexual entity, but, um, and, and I think people can even operate within that framework. Mm-hmm. I think that they can develop and operate within a moral framework in the absence of empathy. And that's a yeah. fascinating idea. It is fascinating. But, but yeah, the, if somebody is able to 
rationalize. Mm-hmm. You can bypass empathy with yeah. rationality yeah. if that rationality comes to an ethical point. Yeah. It will, and I just sit there and think, like, when after a sexual experience, like, the there's the, the chemicals that get, you know, the cuddle drug. Oh, like oxytocin to, to, and oxytocin, dopamine. Yeah, to deny yourself of that. Well, that, that's, that alone is just like... I'm going to say I would have said... Well, I'm going to say, like, I think that two... I don't know how people can can like can have sex, right? And not one of them has that inkling of a thought that's like, I kind of want to cuddle right now. <laughs> you know. Well, what I'm and if you don't, then that motherfucker has no business around anywhere. Near. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's the thing on trust. I think it's it's it, it, funny fun factoid, and I know this is disappointing to a lot of our listening audience, but um, masturbation mm-hmm. is linked. Quantity wise, I guess, frequency wise, with depression. Wow. Yeah. Because when you climax yeah. in the absence of uh, a part a partner being there, yeah, you only get I think dopamine release. Yeah. Oh, minus the oxytocin. Minus, minus the, the oxytocin. Yeah. So once the dopamine's gone, it's you like are you the most. Back I am again. all alone in the yeah. world. You feel sad. Yeah. Crazy. You crazy. might as well not beat off if you already say. Yeah, I know. It's just tearfully. <laughs> I'm your sorry, mate. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. So the last part of trust, it's called identification-based trust. This is the highest level of trust. It's achieved when there is an emotional connection between the parties. Controls are minimal at this level. This is the type of trust that managers and leaders seek in teams. I think the key part about this was the fact that it says that controls are minimal at this mm-hmm. level. Yeah. And I think that that really signifies the the faith or your that that submission to the unknown. And well, you I know think what comes to mind? Yeah, what's that? Micromanagement. Hmm. And how micro- So you think micromanagers are the least trusting? Yeah, I think yeah, I, that's I think, true. I think it, you you said controls are limited. Whenever at, you know, thinking about it in a professional context, when you don't have somebody looking over your shoulder, they mm-hmm. just trust they they fundamentally understand that things are going to get accomplished. I think that that's a high, high level of trust, especially within a professional setting where I know we've been very geared towards like interpersonal relationships, like romantic ones. But Mm -hmm. within a professional setting where you have people's lives in your hand, especially trust is a huge deal. And when you're dealing with adults and well-educated professionals, micromanagement, I think micromanagement is inherently stifling. It's, Mm -hmm. um, it's messy it's inefficient. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you shouldn't hire someone for a position that you have to fucking micromanage. Yeah. You shouldn't. If you have to micromanage them, then they shouldn't be in the position. And if you have to micromanage people, if that's on you, then you probably you need probably to, don't need to be there. You don't need to be in a position of authority. Yeah. And yeah. Mike and and I think micromanagement translates even to interpersonal romantic relationships mm-hmm. like dudes usually dudes that are like where are you at like they get home from definitely women on that spectrum too yeah. you know what i'm saying like i just got home and you're not here where are you at yeah checking up on you driving by your work oh, goon shit so, yeah that's that's a that's a whole other type of micromanagement it's creepo status don't it get me is. wrong i'm not gonna it gloss is. over that but i think that's a type of micromanagement within a relationship Going through people's phones. Yep. While they asleep. Mm-hmm. Who are you talking to? Yep. Mm. 
that's again that's fundamentally the opposite yeah. of do you think the lack of trust is in like if you're the person looking through that your your whatever's phone do you think that the lack of trust is within like you to that person or you to yourself i think i think most of those times it comes down to control okay just i, th- the, I think the, the desire per- for control yes i think the micromanaging distrustful person mm-hmm. has a desire to control any and all facets of what's going on. It's yeah. control and insecurity yeah. mixed together. Yeah. And they want to control every element of it to make sure that they can get ahead of it. And it it gets by in a professional setting. Mm-hmm. As long as the work gets done, yeah. micromanagement still exists within the professional context. But no meaningful, functional, respectful adult relationship has elements any profound, significant elements of micromanagement to it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, aside from worrying about yeah. wor- where you are, like yeah. genuine worry, you should never have to feel like I need to look at their phone. You if you phone. feel like you got to look at their fucking phone, then you should, you, you probably need to bounce. Yeah, you need to bounce. It might be your issue. Mm-hmm. You don't even know. It, even They might be doing dirt. They yeah. might not be doing dirt. Either way, if it is that profound of an influence on you that you keep micromanaging that shit, mm-hmm. then you probably need to fucking step away. All right. And that's that's good. That's good. How do we learn to trust ourselves and how do we learn to trust other people? I tell you what, learning to trust yourself really comes down to you really have to be your own personal fucking cheerleader. You have to gas yourself up, and you have to know your own goddamn worth when you walk into something. Yeah, and you have to know your limitations, too. You absolutely do. You, because, have, to, you have to take super fierce inventory of yes, your shortcomings. Yes, because I think that if, if you understand your limitations and you understand your shortcomings, it can easily allow you to understand why you trust someone. Yeah, and take ownership yes, of that shit. Because if you start to see, like... If, if you realize that the reason that you trust someone is because you're bad at something or something is lacking with you, then I, I don't think that that's always a good thing. And I think that maybe you're just relying or counting on someone to fill that hole rather than really, really trusting them. Right. And so it's one of the things that I've said um, with respect to like relationships is that I'm happy or I feel whole in a relationship when I recognize that I don't need that person. Does that make sense? So I've taken full inventory of myself. I know what, I know like what is up with me. I know what I'm capable of, what I'm not capable of. And, and at the end of the day, I know that I'll survive with this person not being there, but that, that frees up enough energy for me to want them. Because I am not down with needing someone at all. Well, you just explained, you know, if you had switched a few words around, you explained what really is the process for people that aren't addicts Mm -hmm. versus people that are addicts. It's the need versus the want. Sure. Like, you know, you and I can casually drink. Yeah. Um, we, when we want to drink, yeah. but we have nothing, no part of me tells me I need to yeah. drink. Yeah. Even when I'm upset, like, I'm not like, I just want to get drunk. Yeah. Um, love is a drug. Yes. Love is a motherfucking a, drug. It yes, might be one absolute of drug. the most profound things on the planet. Mm-hmm. It gets people ping. Mm-hmm. But I think another pitfall that, that people, it's so common is, and I've 
I'm sure I've said this before, people use their character flaws, their shortcomings, and they they turn them into quirks. And they oh. and they say, I'm this way. Yeah. Which is asinine. Yeah. It is asinine as fuck because we are not static entities. We're not mm-hmm. static in our physicality. Yep. We are not static psychologically. Yep. So why in the motherfucking world would Joe ass take some super mundane concept like, you know, I'm just I'm just explosive, you know, I just Yep. Okay, unless you've got a diagnosable mental health issue. Mm-hmm. You need to work on that shit. Even if you do have a diagnosable yeah. mental health issue, it's wor- you need to address it. But if you don't have a diagnosable mental health issue, it's your goddamn responsibility to not suck as bad. Yep, yep. And and I think it's... I know that a lot of people buy into it. And like sometimes I kind of choose whether or not to buy into it. But the whole thing with like horoscopes... Oh like, yeah, people will it's use that. Fun. It makes you feel unique. Yeah, and, like yeah, but I think that something. yeah, and so it was. It's funny you said that because one of my friends uh, uh, sent me this and it says, "Horoscope girls be like, hey, I'm sorry I cheated on you and fucked your dad, uh, but I'm an asparagus and that's just who I am." Yeah, <laughs> you know yes. what I mean. There's, there's again, people use that as an excuse for shitty they behavior. They do, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just vaguely say it like. Me and my girlfriend was talking about something, and she said, "I'll go ahead and admit that I'm this way." When there were we, ha- I had some people over last yeah. night, and I was like, "Hey, that's okay to admit that." But and then she always she gets on me about being too wordy. Yeah. Obviously, you motherfuckers yeah. know if you listen, I'm sure. a bit wordy. But I'm like this all day, every day. Yeah. So just stay away if you don't like it. <laughs> yeah. But um, she was like, "You know, I'm just this way," and I'm like, "It." People are chuckling. I'm like, you know what? But the thing is, you're not the same person you were 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. you're not going to be the same person 10 years from now. Yep. So really, it comes down to you to just kind of, you know, I've got faith in you to work on it. Yeah. It is nice a way as possible to not be like, don't just say you are this potentially negative thing. Yeah. Roll over, accept it, yeah. and then justify it and be like, I told you I was this way. Mm-hmm. That's not fucking fair. And yeah, that's not, not what grown ass capable adults do and you know you want to know something the connection here with with trust is when you are in that relationship and you trust someone you do hit that i I want to call it just relationship flow like yes you're going to change you guys are absolutely going to be completely different people but once you take that second to snap out of flow you're going to look back and be like holy shit we made it through all this Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean and uh, I think that that's something that I think if a lot of people would strive for that that state of flow in their relationships, if it's if that state of flow within their work, within themselves, all that kind of stuff, in the same way that they just trust their legs to work, that they just trust their arms and fingers and eyes and all this other stuff to work, I think that that moment where you look back, you'll be like, wow, you'll you'll really learn to appreciate things that have been working there. Does that make sense to you? Oh, absolutely. Okay, and, cool. I thought I was like I was making sure that I was like well, on the right track. Something that I think that we is worth mentioning is that what amounts to trust, what is trust, and what constitutes trust is culturally relative. Oh yeah, it's very culturally relative. Like if you go, um, I think generally speaking, what was it? Uh, Tonga. Mm-hmm. I had a professor that spent a lot of time in Tonga. I think he was in the Peace Corps, maybe. Yeah, and he explained that the concept of time, linear time, like 
if if somebody says, "Oh, I'll I'll do that." Yeah. I'll take care of it. It could be motherfucking months yeah. from there. And it's expected like you don't you it's expected that you don't expect them to turn right around and do that and do shit. It. You know, yeah. it's it's a entirely different like in an American culture, it's the opposite thing. Mm-hmm. If you say you're going to do some shit, then I expect you to do yeah. some shit. That's very good. And Trust I, is cultural. And, yeah, and I think, because there are people out there that like we can sit here and talk about trust, and we trust these different things because there's not bombs dropping on us over here. Absolutely, you know, because like absolutely. a lot of us aren't starving. Yeah, and 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 I think that that is that's honestly how I can and we understand. trust that bombs aren't going to start. Yeah, dropping. we trust that bombs aren't going to start dropping, and that is why I can be like I can empathize with those people in other countries where. And my friend said this was when he had gone to Iraq and was just like, you know, someone had just seen their, their, like their house got blown up and shit like that. They lost some family members and all they can say is like, this is God's will. You know what I'm saying? I get how people can sit there and, and, and have to rely on trusting something like that Yeah. because everything it doesn't else make is sense. Just, it doesn't make sense. You just trust it, you know? Like, especially if you have a pre-existing notion of there being a higher power. Yes. And being stripped so bare of mm. everything that you hold dear. The And, and it is as anti-theist as I am. Um, it's totally understandable that people that experience that enormous trauma would seek respite mm-hmm. in a, a higher power of some sort. Yeah. Um, so it's easy to say that we're, but, uh, but we're, we're speaking from a point of privilege, and but, we're just having this but, conversation. But Pete, game, like I said, the higher power, the higher power can be something else. Just like in the the paradigms of um, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, it they there is a religious element mm-hmm. that, that has been going alongside oh, yes. both organizations, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not indispensable from it. Mm-hmm. People that don't believe in God still successfully utilize NA and AA. Yeah. They will do something. I I was told somebody used a doorknob as their higher power just, just to have some point of reference, yeah. something outside of them. And I know that sounds really absurd, but that was legit what they fucking said. I think that in the absence of in the absence of a belief and a higher power, and not even even experiencing vast trauma, in order to survive, I think it reverts to that basal tribalism. I think that becomes your higher power is your and the trust in the tribe. Yes, okay. that it, that becomes that that becomes your new investment. Mm-hmm. That's your respite. Is your loyalty role whatever as it pertains to the remaining people that are at that base base level of the tribe and you know i and it's a hard thing to to say if you've lost literally everyone Mm -hmm. if you were a refugee that came to this country that had lost literally fucking everyone it that's harder for me to unpack yeah definitely but um fuck yeah, I've I've done talked myself into a situation it's okay. where I'm like, Here's- Jesus Christ, <laughs> man. Yeah, well, I, can't I wanted even to fathom. Yeah, I, I couldn't either. And just to just to keep it, you know, keep this episode like nice and light. Let's let's wrap it up. What's okay. your? Give me a your closing statements on trust. What can we leave people with? Trust to me 
is the closest thing. You know, we, you and I had an episode on humility, and we mm. laughed about it because we're not exactly known for being humble people. Yeah. But I think that, that trust and humility wash, you know, it's one hand washing the other. Yeah. Um, you have to bow down. You have to be willing to take that fucking L. And that you also, huge L, yes. Yes, and you can't, you have to let go of control. Mm-hmm. You cannot micromanage. Yeah. Do not try to micromanage another individual, mm-hmm. whether that be professionally or in a relationship, because that's not trust. Mm-hmm. And again, if you have to go through somebody's phone, yeah, whether they're cheating or not, um, it's still your problem. Yeah. <laughs> and And I get it because people don't like to be hurt. I, I get it too. Yeah. I get it too. But if you're going to put your best foot forward and you're going to do what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. you have to understand people want, they want the fruit. Yeah. They don't want to climb the tree, they and, want to climb and, tree and risk falling out of it. Yep. Everyone loves sausage. No one wants to see it made. You goddamn right. <laughs> uh, I would say for me that uh, just to reiterate what I said earlier in the episode is trust falls in line with submission and acknowledgement. Yeah. It is again submission to the unknown, submission to the fact that you might take that big L just like you said. But where you're going to learn is that at the end of the day, no one is able to control your happiness but you. And I think that if you can trust in your ability to understand and acknowledge in you know what is going on and, and acknowledge and trust in the fact that you're going to make it out, then I think that you can do well in any type of connection or relationship or whatever that you jump that you put yourself into because you're at control. And I think that you're in control of yourself, not of the other people. Personal utility. Yeah, personal utility. And it, and it decreases the chances of people disappointing you. Because yeah. I think if you spend a lot of time t- trying to control others, um, you're only going to disappoint yourself. And and by doing that, you're not going to be able to trust anyone. You're yeah. going to start thinking that what works in your world is a world that you can control, where you can control other people or something. When in reality, you really should just be controlling yourself. And again, when you have that control and you have that trust in yourself, it's just going to make things a lot easier. It's freeing. Well, it's it's the lack of trust and belief in oneself that's yeah. often at the root of that micromanagement yeah. and that propensity to want to to control every element. Mm-hmm. And and it's we've said it a million times. It's letting go of the side of the pool. Yeah. It's like the fucking Buddha said, um, attachment is the root of all suffering. And that doesn't mean that there aren't elements of attachment that that serve a purpose and yeah. are beautiful. Yeah. But it is an acknowledgement that that attachment is the attachment is the root of all suffering. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing, again, I'd like to reiterate, is working on acceptance mm-hmm. of other individuals yeah. versus expectations of other individuals. Because reciprocity occurs through communication absolutely, and through trust. Mm-hmm. And it's either going to work or it's fucking not. That's man. just how it is. It is just the way it is. So don't try and put glitter on a tired man. Yeah. The the only person you can control is yourself. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, that's a hard motherfucker to do. So just work on it. Yes. Everybody. Yes. All right. Do we have any shameless shout outs or anything? Like that um, to give to I'd anyone? like to give a shameless shout out to um, Tyler Young. Okay. 
at grade eight performance. Does he have anything coming up as far as competitions or anything like that? I I don't know. He was practicing his Chinese splits the other day. I know. <laughs> so that. no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I, think, I think he is prepping. For, oh, is he? Yeah, I think he's okay. prepping. I can't remember what it was for. Yeah, because I'm a bad friend. But it's okay. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to Brandon. He's mm-hmm. where. Uh, Patoka Lake. It sounds yeah. like a like a super white. Thing. Yeah. So if you up in and around there, and you find see a, him, a mixed green eyed boy, and just yeah, be you like, beat his hey, legs buddy. up, beat his legs up. Seriously, or ask him to shake dance. He's really good at that. Yeah, he's got cakes. Um, <laughs> I'd like to give a shameless shout out, um, a great shameless shout out to Adam Southhall from yes. Southhall Originals. Thank you so much. That cutting board is fucking awesome. You're welcome, brother. He makes some of the most exceptional live edge wooden cutting boards end tables and he's just getting started and he yeah. loves it and you can see that he loves it because he's yeah. he's pouring himself into each yeah. one of these and it has a with- it has a style where you if you get it like i have thank you chris you're welcome um you can tell that it came from him oh yeah it's him, cutting man. boards are cutting boards but this looks like art Oh, it is. Like I'm almost like scared art. to use it, but it's it's functional art, is what it is. Yeah, but I've uh, Adam, when you finally listen to this one, um, I've been kind of guiding clue on how to cure it with mm-hmm. using natural fats and shit like that to replace some of the oils that would be less desirable on the food. So I've yes. got him covered. But shameless shout out again. It's uh, South Hall Originals. Mm-hmm. He's small pretty much i think working out of his house currently um i don't know if he wants to just keep it a hobby or if he wants to make millions of dollars but i'm confident that he could if he wanted to yes yes um i don't really have a bunch of shout outs but i I just want to thank everyone for for listening and thank everyone for for giving us feedback and stuff like that it's you know we're we're a year in now finally and uh i think last week was our one year anniversary if you want to call it that and uh it's been a hell of a year. Um, I'm very excited for the things that we're that we've got coming down. Um, I think we finally uh, we finally found our voice, and um, a conversation that you and I are having right here it would have been completely different just six seven months ago. Oh, I know. You know and what I mean? We would be we would be trying to manufacture yeah. ideas yeah. instead of us just being like, well, what do I really fucking think? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it makes me very excited about the coming year. And one of the things that that like I'm glad that I'm no longer focusing on is like getting a bunch of followers, getting a bunch of stuff, right? Like that moment when I realized like this is for us rather than for other people, like it made it was so freeing, right? And and by doing that, I th- I think it's easier for people to to find our and to find and to see our passion in, in the episodes. Like I truly love doing this. And I can I can barely imagine life without having a an an avenue where I can just go and empty the stuff that's just cooking in my head. It's it's a and I wish I feel sorry for people who don't have that. I truthfully feel sorry for them. And every single person that has come on to tell their story about something, especially the uh, the last one with JP like that has radically just changed things for me. I want more people coming here and telling their stories. Yeah. Um. And and I think that the more that we do that, the more that people will understand that. Truthfully, life is like making sausage. You know, 
everyone wants that perfect life. Everyone wants that tasty sausage or tasty bacon or whatever, but no one wants to see the shit get made. Mm -hmm. And hearing the story that we had last week and the stories that we have coming up, because guys, we have some really good ones and some serious topics. uh, I think that that's going to really help me appreciate things more, but it's also going to, I think going to make people understand like, man, this is, this is this is for real stuff, and it may not be for everyone, and I'm still okay with that. That's right. the thing we used to focus yeah, on not, making I'm it okay for everyone. I, I genuinely like accept with open arms that I piss people off. I'm yeah. like, but the majority, I think, know that we're well intentioned, yeah. and the people that want to be fucking butthurt about it, I know that's an overused term, but yeah. Um, if y'all still want, effective, it is effective. And if you want to be fucking butthurt about it, you're wasting your goddamn time, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, guys, with that, uh, thank you all again for listening. Thank you for your time. Uh, if you have any questions, feedback, hit us up. That's at the Salumis podcast on Instagram. Uh, jump on Facebook. We're on there as well. Uh, go to our website, www.thesalumist.com. That's T-H-E-S-A-L-U-M-I-S-T. Uh, again, thank you. And uh, we'll hope to – you are going on vacation this coming weekend yes so we're gonna have to record either tomorrow or probably tomorrow oh shit all right we'll try and we'll try and cook up some stuff and uh i'm really excited to do more so with that we're done oh no let's say it right we are out peace once again